0: Hey everyone, before jumping into this next episode, I want to tell you what topics you can expect to hear about in this discussion. Today we are discussing suicide, trauma, trauma recovery, eating disorders, drugs and alcohol, addiction, self-harm, different forms of abuse or assault, as well as some strong language. So please take all these into consideration and listen mindfully and just continue to take care of yourself. All right? Cool. Let's get to talking. It's like super laid back. I love that painting, by the way, behind you. Thank you. Did you do it? Yes. (gasps) Was that one of the ones you posted about on Facebook?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I do too. I love him so much. I have no idea what to do with him, but I love him. I love that you do. You hang your own art all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. No, my roommates are like dumb cute. So my, um, my apartment, it's a Manhattan apartment. So it's like weirdly set up <laughs> and walk in, we have this like really long hall. So my room is like right when you walk in and then mm. there's a really long hallway cause it's just like my room, two bathrooms, laundry, and then it opens and it's my living room and the other two bedrooms. And we call it the gallery wall. Mm-hmm because I, like, put my stuff up, and so when I did this one, it had, um, I did four other paintings that went along with it in a series, yeah. so, like, it was, like, oh, my God, it was so fucking cute, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was my- but, um, we had already planned it, so we all, like, got dressed up, I bought, like, one of those big, like, meat and cheese platters yeah. and some, like, sparkling fucking juice, <laughs> And, like, for some, I was like, you guys need to go into your room. So they went into their room while I hung them up, and then we all came out. We each had, like, a little glass, and we just, like, viewed them. I <laughs> love, I love that. A- we are having an opening. I love that it so really much. Cute. Right, right. I've been
0: doing a lot of watercolor, like, it, um, about
1: life. And oh, like- you are such a what? I'm what? I said you are such a watercolor, bitch. Are I you- see that for you.
0: Are you serious? Yes, yeah,
1: I'm so serious.
0: Do I fit okay. that vibe? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. But awesome. like I showed, <laughs> I showed some of my work to like the clinicians at my center, and they were like, "Are you gonna hang these?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't know." <laughs> I was like, "Aren't they dark?" And they were like, "I mean, they're not like dark, and they're not light. It's just, it's just how you're feeling." And I was like, "I don't know." one of them made a joke that i should just hang it like in the living room above the fireplace or like right outside my parents door like just this dark like image that i made Uh,
1: oh my god i love
0: that um okay cool so let's talk about trauma um (laughs) and uh obviously trauma recovery and i do also want to talk about where we came from i think that i just I love that book so much. I still have my copy. I still be reading it. Um oh, and so yeah, do you wanna just dive it in a little bit and just tell everybody what you've been up to lately and
1: Yeah all that stuff. Do we want the mo- do we need a moment of you like formally announcing who the fuck I I am?
0: Oh, yo, this is Megan. <laughs> <laughs> um we went to school together in New York, um mm-hmm. and uh We kind of knew each other until we were casting Richard III. She's kind of been like one of my favorite people ever since. And um, she does a lot of cool stuff out in New York. And so, yeah, this is Megan.
1: (laughs) um, Hi, I am Megan Stratton. Professionally, I go by M. Stratton. Um, I write, I act, I direct, I paint. just do whatever my little heart desires. I guess. yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Amanda said, I am based in Manhattan at the moment. Um, probably will be for my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. And I, I guess, I'm the perfect candidate for this podcast because even my arts—it's all weird. <laughs> it's just all weird, dark shit. <laughs> But I think
0: that's okay. Mm-hmm. So off of weird dark shit, um, <laughs> let's talk about yeah some of the dark shit that we go through in life, and um, I feel like what do you think of the word trauma? Like what I feel like there's a lot of um, thoughts I guess out there that go with like oh what classifies as trauma? Um, what are your thoughts on that specifically? I know everybody's thought is going to be a little bit different.
1: I was actually thinking about this last night. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I searches, are, or no, crossword puzzles, like, almost every day. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them, like, last night, one of the clues was a physical or a mental injury. And the answer was trauma. Mm-hmm. And I liked, or not liked, but that phrasing resonated with me. and Because it was the first time I thought of, like, trauma being, like, an injury, mm-hmm. like an activity to our psyche, and I just started thinking about like um, things that are traumatic. I mean, and yeah, I think like I just I think about breaking a bone and how there's, of course, that can still happen to us emotionally. Um, So I think that's just what trauma is for me is something that, something that breaks, something that needs to be healed, whether it's like a little scar or like you break your fucking femur, yeah. Kind of thing um yeah with the healing
0: process um as obviously we talk about therapy a lot so we're both in therapy um uh what has that process been like for you healing like as share as much of course that you're comfortable sharing um but like the just the healing process from trauma in a therapeutic setting what's that mm. been like
1: um so, I mean, like, my my therapy process has been kind of weird. So, when I was young, like, 14, um, or between the ages of 13 to 15, I was hospitalized five separate times. Um, for Or four of them were short-term, acute, and then the last one was uh, long-term. I was there for about three and a half months. And um, I'm very, like there's so many issues with how they're run but I'm also very pro (laughs) inpatient yeah yeah there's like a lot of misconceptions about it and whatever but so that's kind of like where things started for me Mm -hmm. um and I definitely I think well because I was (laughs) to preface this I was uh dealing with some severe clinical depression at the Mm -hmm. time like um suicidal thoughts attempts a lot of self-harm I was addicted to drugs like all that kind of fun bullshit like Mm. um (laughs) and at the time like I needed that inpatient because I needed to be taken out of like I couldn't handle daily life essentially yeah but then of course that turned into its own thing where it felt a little bit like I was using a hospital as a crutch because I get daily regular life is just so hard for me Um, and I felt safest there and then things got a little weird after that because I think um, and I I know it's like ironic and it's a double-edged sword and I did just say that I support that but for a long time I was not in therapy because of that Mm. and because of especially the stigma that goes around having to be hospitalized I think I was so afraid of getting help because I was terrified of going right back I was terrified of being crazy um, and so I went through a lot of shit alone. So for me now as an adult, I think, um, I think I like think your therapy as being something more, um, targeted, I guess. I, and that's how I'm trying to approach it is I'm kind of going back to the injury thing, like, my entire body is broken. Like, what things do I need to do first? Like, if I can get my legs set, is that going to help me with my hip, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like. Sitting there like, oh my god, the whole thing's a mess. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's kind of... That's like a more general view of things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, And going back to what you said about, like, just kind of, like, not being able to function in daily life and that kind of being a key of, oh, hey, I think this is affecting me a lot more than I thought it was. Because that's definitely what I ran into. Um, I mean, obviously had my fair share of fun little tools to like eating disorder and like all sorts of stuff. And it's cause yeah, I also like, I just, I couldn't function in daily life and the way I was functioning was just a shell of me. And I also like, when you said you didn't want to be like crazy, my God, I say that to my therapist. I think every week, my brain, I'm just like, I'm literally crazy. Like none of this is real. Like I don't actually have an eating disorder. Like I don't actually have depression. I don't actually have anxiety or OCD. Like <laughs> I'm just crazy, and um, I think it's it's interesting that our brains do that, where it's like we're struggling, but then it's also like, or mm, are, are you?
1: <laughs> no, that's why the movie Shutter I- Island. <laughs> the movie Shutter Island is like so triggering and terrifying to me. Because that's what I'm always afraid of. It's like Mm. I'm always terrified. Like I just insane, and everyone around everyone around me like sees it and knows it, and I am just like on this (laughs) like just somewhere fucking else. Um,
0: I wanna so with trauma recovery and being in therapy and stuff. Um. What do you think has been the best um, route of healing? Because I know there's, like, talk therapy, EMDR. Um, there's even, like, a hypnosis-style therapy out there. Are, like, have you experimented with some of those? Um, or... um,
1: no. So, okay. I, I've just done talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that is, like, I, I found a way mm-hmm. to make it work for me. So I think um, this last round, uh, so I'm not currently in therapy, um, but when I, my last therapist that I had, he was probably, like, that was probably the most beneficial um, segment of therapy I've ever had in my life, like, Mm -hmm. talk therapy, and part of it was because I, I knew exactly what I needed going in, and he listened to me. Um, and so our, like literally day one, the first time him and I spoke on the phone when it was like that, okay, so give me the backlog of all the traumatic bullshit that's happened to you. So I have an idea of what I'm dealing with. Um, and like through the whole list of things and at the end of it, I said to him, I was like, you know, I, I need somebody who's going to be not aggressive with me, but like very assertive with me, like somebody who's not going to just like let things slide, because I had had an issue with that with my previous therapist, or I would say things like, I don't know, I would say things that I, like, kind of wanted to get into, but she wouldn't pry, and then the things that I, like, didn't, I don't know, like, I remember there was, like, one therapy session where, you know, like, if I mentioned having daddy issues, she just, like, oh, oh and, like, brushes over it, but then, like, oh. went on this, like, 30-minute thing about me getting an emotional support animal, and it was just, like, all right, Twila, this is not working out. <laughs> So I think, um, yeah, talk therapy. I've always believed in it, but um, I think it's yeah, knowing ex- knowing what I needed as a patient and what I needed from my therapist yeah. helped a lot. Because after I told him that, he would not he wouldn't let me slip up on anything. Like, and it was always like <laughs> yeah. I would say Hi, I realized this, and it was immediately okay he would like validate me say okay good I'm glad that you've recognized this but also what are you gonna do about it and that was like what I needed was somebody to go all right we're gonna keep going deeper um so that I really like but then um I've never done this but I'm like very interested in it um I've read it's like I think they only do like trials of it it's not like um very it's a new thing like i don't know if you're even i don't know how the ethics around it work yeah (laughs) but um i i've read before about people experimenting with um basically i don't don't know the name of it but like the idea of um using drugs to um like open your subconscious and make it easier to like speak through things Like, like the idea is that they give some, like, a two therapist like, two doctors will give their patient, like, um, a certain dose of, like, MDMA or LSD or something just to unlock the unconscious and make it. I mean, when you're on drugs, you're a, a bit more vulnerable and there's, like, yeah. more shit going on. Um, And then they walk you through it. And that has always, always, always fascinated me, especially as a recovered drug addict because I'm, like, oh, my God the shit that I could process and talk about if you put me on fucking MDMA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, like, that sounds like a dream to me. That sounds like a dream to me to just be on drugs with therapists. Oh, my God. <laughs> it could be, like, a really insane movie, but, like, that's the, the point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I said, I haven't done that before, but that mm. does, that really, 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 really interests me. If there's ever some weird random way that, like, I could, to, could participate in a trial of that, yeah. I would do it. <laughs> I like,
0: I would do it. Did you
1: just read about that recently? No, I saw... I think it was, like... It might have been Gwyneth Paltrow... No. It might have been Gwyneth Paltrow did a TV show or something. Oh. I don't know. Randomly, like, a year, maybe two years ago, I um, just watched an episode or, like, a random documentary or some shit about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like...
0: yeah man i've never heard of that interesting i do want (laughs) to also talk about trauma responses yes and Mm. that's that's a can of worms (laughs) to open up Mm. um i know we've talked about similar ones that we've experienced and obviously every person's different too in the way that they respond to trauma the way that they try to go on with their life while having these responses Etc. Etc. A through Z, <laughs> and uh, so I think we should dive into that a little bit. Oh yeah, take it away. Do you want me to go? Okay. Or do you um, want me to go?
1: Do you want me to go? Like I mean, I feel like I'm talking a lot, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is the point, but whatever. Like I have a response, but mm-hmm. okay. Well, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Here I'll go. I'll go. Um. Yeah, uh, and obviously, okay. Good. So for anybody listening, if when you when you hear it to us talking about our responses, everybody's is different. Um, everybody, yeah. you might have a, maybe the exact same trauma as somebody else, and you're both gonna have completely different responses to it. You're both gonna internalize it differently, and it's just there's no even there's no room for possible comparison. I think in trauma, um, although it, it's very easy to fall into that it's actually kind of impossible because everybody's brain is different. So yeah. those of you who are listening, if your responses are different, or the same, etc., anywhere, that's okay. And you're accepted mm. and you're supported. We want you here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to be honest, I think I didn't really realize that I was ha- having a- the ones that I had until I was nourishing my body because I was so numbed out with my eating disorder that like, like I said before, I was like a shell of me. I just, I didn't really exist fully. Like I wasn't present and stuff like that. Um, I definitely would find myself, uh, really anxious and worked up and okay, this might, I do also want to talk about this. So when you start sharing, I do want your opinion on this too. With unhealthy coping behaviors, And this isn't to glorify them or celebrate, like romanticize them. I genuinely believe though, from my experience, I think my eating disorder and some of my other behaviors like saved my life for a while because I was so depressed and just wanted to die that like, but my eating disorder gave me something to work for and gave me something to commit to and to pour myself into. And I was like, okay. If I just keep doing this I'll be fine and I think honestly although my eating disorder was slowly killing me it also kept me alive to get to today but um, I think once I started nourishing myself and waking up and my body was waking up um, because you're feeling so then you remember and that was another thing because I also um, had some memory loss with my eating disorder so when I started to eat I was like oh my gosh I don't want to remember any of this this is horrible I like no, this is not what I want. And like it's long I mean long story short with that. Like there's still some stuff that I just don't remember and that sucks. Um but it is what it is and um some dissociation almost like in a state of um fight or flight constantly. Like a panic mode. But yeah, but I would say though that I I wasn't necessarily I think I was experiencing them on a very a muted level in my eating disorder because it it was pretty much an overdrive for me taking over but I think once I was nourished and taking care of myself they started to ramp up definitely
1: Mm -hmm. um so the first thing I want to comment on is like you are talking about your ED being something for you to like focus on Mm -hmm. as opposed to healing yourself um I feel that I feel that I think um that, but that's part of the cycle of traumatizing yourself, yeah. essentially, or like, um, just dealing with those type of things. Because I remember I I used to do like, that was part of why I was addicted to drugs when I was, was because, um partly because I liked doing drugs and a whole other host of things, but because you know, if I took a handful of pills I could hope that it would kill me but it might not kill me but at the very least I was high so I didn't feel like there was like something to curb the edge of me just like wanting to fucking off myself Um, so I don't know I think yeah like I I get that but it is just that's just part of the illness Mm -hmm. is it nice to do that shit and be crazy and also like i think it just goes to show that even when you want to fucking even when every single part of you wants to kill yourself your body will still make up some way for you to not yeah even if it's horrible but i don't want to get too far into that because i feel like that's very easy to like misinterpret and like twist around especially is when you're in that that's what your body's doing anyway yeah (laughs) (laughs) back to kind of trauma responses themselves i think um The big thing for me in this kind of, like, idea is the things that are responses that I did not realize were responses or, like, things I'd internalized that I did not know until, like, eight years later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I think those are really hard because when, one, it takes a whole lot to even realize that something might be... Yeah, a trauma response or like just a way that you're responding to your own trauma or the way you internalize something, and then like accepting that mm-hmm. and then like learning to like love yourself and like stop doing that is really, really hard. Yeah, like an example of this is so I haven't done my drug of choice since I was 15, I'm 23, it's been a while, mm-hmm. and um, but this year, like back in October when I was working on my film, um. I was, like, me and my actress, or one of my actresses, my friend Sam Kastrzewski, she, um, like, one of the lines, or there's, like, a big chunk in it that's about um, addiction, and it's just talking about, like, uh, just basically how, like, um, the idea of, like, oh, when, uh, or, like, I liked the pain of detoxing because feeling that pain meant drugs have been Right, mm-hmm. and I had I wrote this script. I had we had been rehearsing it for like a month. You know, I'd read it several times. And then out of nowhere, one day it hit me. I'm like, Oh my god, this is why I um, like romantically I do what I do, and I'm in a cycle of self sabotage is because I didn't realize I I still kind of equated love to being high, and like mm-hmm. because when you're really high, you have a really bad detox. I kind of, I would do that with relationships. Like if something went really, really well, I felt like it had to be really, really bad for me to like justify it. Like, and that's of like, just one thing that I didn't realize was connected to something that happened like eight years before, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then realizing that it's like, good it's a good thing to realize it but then it's also just like oh it makes you so sad because you like want to just like hug your past self and be like bitch (laughs) do better but also like you didn't deserve it like you don't know but also like come on (laughs) yeah
0: yeah Um, yeah
1: so like there's there's stuff like that um and yeah i think it's interesting when you start talking about relationships
0: obviously I mean, anything we, anything we experience in life in some way or another has an, has an impact on our relationships and the, our connection with people. Um, and I remember it just brought me back to that conversation we were having about um, therapy and just all sorts of stuff. And we were talking about attachments. And I think that trauma plays a role in that, obviously. <laughs> um, oh. Yes. And it was literally earlier this week or maybe it was last week where my therapist was like, "Yeah, that's definitely um, anxious insecure or insecure anxious, however whichever order, um, yeah. attachment." And I was like, "Cool. Like that's cute." <laughs> um <laughs> So, um, what do you think? What do you what do you think on that topic?
1: Oh, 100%. Well, because um, 100%. So, I think the weird thing about, like, having been through shit and then, like, having to, like, develop relationships is, like, one, like, depending on what the fuck tra- traumatized you, you could just be traumatized from certain relationship types and not have any idea that you're just, like, continuously recreating those over and over again. Mm. Um, Like, uh, an example of this is, so, the biggest thing that I've been... <laughs> Working on and dealing with recently in my life and um like i just i i finished reading or writing my re- most recent play and it's like dealing a lot with this mm-hmm. it um so like my relationship to men is very 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 much like or has been very much like based in trauma mm-hmm. like i did not trust men i didn't expect certain like there's not i don't know how to how to fully phrase this where it's like but let me go back is i think i'm realizing that because of things like having been sexually assaulted or like there's a lot of trauma based off of fucking men in my family Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and those kind of things and just like emotional abuse like i think um Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, that has made it really hard for me to have, like, genuine relationships and connections to men, because, like, I almost expect there to be something traumatic. Yeah. Uh, And also because of that, like, I think I've gotten into a lot of weird situations with men where I feel like um, a lot of the men I've, like, been romantically involved with, they tend to be, like really 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 like going through the shits mm. or like something wrong with them or there's some kind of like weird shared trauma because yes. I feel it's like I realized like now I think part of that was like one maybe trauma bonding just because that had been my whole life beforehand so like and also I think some of it too was just like um, almost feeling like I almost felt like men didn't see me beyond, like, something to fix or be broken anyway. Yeah. So it was just a weird shared thing. Um, and not that I don't have a whole host of attachment issues with women, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, when we're ta- when talking about, like, directly how trauma affects relationships, like, that's been difficult. And then I also think, like, romantic relationships is, have always been incredibly difficult for me, though... Quite frankly, I think um, like when I, I think I was misdiagnosed with my mental illness when I was younger, but that's like a whole other conversation because I've had such a hard time developing relationships, and I think a lot of people who have been through a lot of shit or who have dealt with mental illness or or whatever like find it to be true, especially because it's like it comes to not down to that shit of like when you're questioning yourself or like you are hard to deal with for yourself sometimes, like doesn't mean they don't love yourself but like it's hard to think like how do I ask somebody to take all this shit on like um you know even with one of my older best friends like there were times where I used to talk to her and I like I knew she loved me and I knew she wanted to hear the things that I had going on but I felt like I felt bad because I'm just like I have so much baggage Mm -hmm. that I know somebody love me, but also like what if the people I love deserve to have somebody with who's, like, easier to love because there's less going on. Mm, Yeah, Um, I get that. I think that's something a lot of us get run into. Um, And it takes a lot of fucking work, though it is possible to realize that, like, regardless, like, we we deserve love and we are capable and deserving of happy and healthy relationships, even if we just have to think about it a little harder or, like, There's just a few things we haven't learned just yet. Um, My old therapist said something really nice to me one day. He was like, (laughs) he was like, Mungin, I wouldn't say that, like, as of right now, you're mentally ill. He was like, I think you're just confused. Um, And that, like, really liberated me in so many ways. And I bring this up, like, in terms of the uh, attachments and relationships thing, because, like, we were talking like, a big thing for me is I always felt like I didn't know how to love someone, like, whether it's romantically or personically or whatever, and he was like, you know, you missed a couple of year chunks out of your life, he's like, you were addicted to drugs for a few years, you were mentally ill for a long time, like, you know, he's like, there are just certain milestones, like, whether it's, like, emotionally or mentally, that I just, I didn't hit because I had too much other shit going on, yeah. so it's, like, Which isn't a bad thing. It's just where I am at. And maybe a bunch of other people hit those places at 13, but I didn't. And that's okay. Um, And I, yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to what you were just saying about, um, like, baggage and, you know, telling people closest to you, like, what's going on in your life and stuff you've been through and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. I have... (laughs) I have a mixed relationship with telling your trauma as a, like, as an individual, because like, I fully believe that if someone wants to tell their story, they get to tell it and nobody gets to tell them that they don't get to. And, um, with that freedom though, I think, at least from my experience, for sure, figuring out who deserves to know your story and who doesn't is so hard and like- Mm -hmm. And I also, I kind of want to gear this and start kind of going towards acting as well and art and therapy and stuff and how that's intertwined because yep. yeah. at acting school, we know they're like, oh, do this scene, oh. pull from your darkest, deepest trauma. What, you, you want to just go ahead and do that for me? And we're like, okay, like, yeah, of course I can do that. Even though you don't have a therapist or any type of counselor on staff here to help us through it. Yeah.
1: Girl, like <laughs> okay yeah
0: and like with that though I think and obviously this isn't to fully blame the school because also I was 18 19 at the time and like still going through some hard stuff and like I didn't I didn't know how what to do with what to do with the information that I was bringing up for the roles that I was doing so then I go and I need to get it out so then I go and tell people parts of my story that don't deserve it that don't even care. Um, I mean, granted, I still had a lot of people, like especially the flatmates I got close to and my roommate, like those people, and obviously you and other people in my sections and stuff who did care about me. And uh, I told parts of me to people who just aren't good people. And I left the conversation not even Mm. getting the support that I wanted or the love. I just kind of felt like I'd shouted into an empty void and I felt just as empty after yeah you know yeah do you want to talk about that at all or
1: yeah well I think it's like oh my god it's so true well because I so I used to do that shit where I um so I didn't talk a lot about what I was going like in high school I was like pretty reserved mm-hmm. partly because I had like two friends <laughs> Uh, but I mean I've always been that way I like to have like the people who are closest to me than everyone else like I, yeah we're all fine I guess <laughs> uh, and uh, but I was like very reserved about things partly as like a way to start over and just cause like I hadn't processed anything anyway mm-hmm. um, and then as I got a little older I kind of hit this point where I felt like I um, like I'd hit a certain point in friendship with people and be like alright this is the time for me to like dump everything onto you, so you have, like... I felt like people had to know all of my shit. Because I felt like... Um, I felt like people weren't seeing me completely. Mm. If they didn't know these things about me. Um, and a part of that was, like, a weird thing. Like, you know, if when you've been through a certain shit or, like, a certain way that you might react to things, it's like, for me, um, you know, I felt... Like I felt weird when people thought I was like a good person, <laughs> or like, <laughs> like couldn't see those things in me. Like I thought that was really weird because to me it was so like that's my trauma was like such a huge part of my identity mm-hmm. so long, especially because I was so young that it was like, yeah, like I felt like um, I couldn't I couldn't be close to someone genuinely if they didn't know that shit. Whereas now that I'm a little older, I'm, like, oh, yeah, like, I don't need to, like, know somebody for a month and then just sit down and be, like, all right, so here's uh, every single detail and every shitty thing that happened to me from the ages 10 to 20. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it doesn't have to quite be like that. Or um, just kind of letting it happen. I think also just, like, letting it happen organically because um, that's, that's really how you know, like... Um, mm-hmm also like i think there's a time and place for things not that you can't create that time in that place um and to bring it into art because you said that's kind of where we're going that's Mm -hmm. like that's why i found so much freedom in writing is because i feel like in writing i can literally talk about whatever the fuck i want and it like helps me process things especially because i've i've written a few plays now so i've realized like um I can't write anything that I haven't dealt with. Um, like, I can't admit it if I don't know what I'm admitting, even if after I've written it back and I'm like, oh, my God, I did not realize that's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think, like, having that place for things to be true is really nice. And what I love about putting that into art, and I wish that our teachers have been, like, a little more explicit about this or maybe talked to me about this uh, um Like, in acting school, because I feel you on just being told, like, me and a lot of my actor friends have talked about how we're asked to do, like, this weird emotional shit, but no one actually teaches us how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, like, when you put things into your art, if you do it, you do it mindfully, putting it into your art gives it its own sort of boundary, which is why I find it, because if it's in my art, then I can say it explicitly, And it is mine. It is what happened to me. It is the shit that I'm processing with and dealing. But also, like, I get to decide whether or not I tell you why I wrote what I wrote. Beyond it being objective and beyond it being art. Mm
0: -hmm. You know? Yes.
1: I think that's really nice. To be able to just put some shit out. And if I don't want to talk about it, I can just, like, ah, it's art. Like, whatever. It's just a story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And with that, so where we came from um obviously uh so freaking good um and for those of you who don't know it's um m stratton's poetry collection and um titled where we came from and it's amazing and she mailed it to me when i was in residential and it was honestly the best gift that could have been sent to me it really had an impact on me and um so, yeah, I do want to talk about that, especially since we're starting to dive into more of, like, getting to decide how, when, and where you tell your story, who you tell mm-hmm. it to, and then after you tell it, you get to decide, oh, like, if you want to dive into it more, if you're just like, hey, it's out there, and that's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that process like for you within the first couple of drafts and all that stuff like that?
1: Oh, man, where we came from. So <laughs> I uh, – the reason I first – decided to write that book was that I was having a conversation with one of my old roommates um and she was like my best friend for years we were very close like she knew a lot about me and so obviously I felt very comfortable talking to her about like my drug addiction yeah um uh, and I had been through a lot like the last couple chapters <laughs> of where we came from basically like happened while we were in the same apartment together okay you know So, and I say that just because, like, that's even part of why we talked about it. It was just, like, this thing of, like, this is what I've been dealing with and kind of um, a bit of my psychosis, (laughs) so to say. And um, there was one night we were talking about it, and I was just kind of, like, explaining to her about how, like, through my psychosis, I realized there's this second world and like, life and like existence that I have that like I can't think about but like it's like literally an entirely different world and um like we got we were just getting into it and she looked at me and she was like you know I never I never knew that that's what drug addiction was like I never knew that um like I knew it was something that people would be like oh I don't do drugs anymore like if I do it like you know she was like I just I had no idea what any of that entails basically um, which made me then realize, like, I didn't either. And pr- that's partly because I didn't, I've never been, I've been to a single N.A. meeting in my life. Like, my whole family has been addicted to drugs. No one has gone, we don't do N.A. Like, literally, um, our family motto, like, I literally have a t-shirt that says this is rehab is for quitters. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> right. it's iconic, but, like, that's fine. Um, so, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, um, right, okay. yeah. But, like, talk... So in talking to her about it and being like, Oh shit. That was why I decided to write where we came from because it was like, uh, that was those couple of years when I was like 18, 19. Um, especially were like, honest to God, some of the loneliest years of my entire fucking life because I was going through this thing that I had no, no, no idea how to talk about. And that like, didn't I didn't know anyone who had dealt with it before and like even like and especially because like psychosis is such like a no-no in general like if you want to talk about stigma but like fucking drug-induced psychosis is like a whole other thing especially because I wasn't actively on drugs like it was just like so um, that's why I decided to like unpack my trauma is because like that was like how I created my time and place Mm. is okay I feel comfortable talking about this and doing it as, like, explicitly as possible, because I know, um, I could see how that could be beneficial, and, again, in, like, an art form, you can take it or leave it, like, you know, um, it makes it a little, a little easier to go, mm-hmm. so writing it was crazy, like, <laughs> <laughs> because it was my life, it was pretty easy to, like, go, or it was, And it's like in chronological order it's pretty easy to like know what points I wanted to hit and whatnot Um, in the days I was writing them was really weird because I uh, another girl who i had been really good friends with at the time she um there's a poem about her in there and uh, but I had known her since we were like 10 and she went through a lot like we were friends and a lot of that was happening to me so I would write a poem and then I would call her, and we would, like, talk through it. And more often than not, we would, like, cry our way through it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was, like, really validating for me, was just having somebody there to be, like, somebody who knew what the fuck I was talking about for me and also, like, their own experience. That gave me the kind of, like, validation I needed to finish the book. Um,
0: yeah. And you also went out of town for a little bit. Um... Yep. Yeah when think- preparing for that right
1: yeah um so i was in a really weird place in my life <laughs> in a really weird place in my life had a mental breakdown called my friend daniel and was just like daniel i don't know what the fuck i'm doing just uh, like just sobbing one afternoon mm-hmm. and he was like well um it was fucking nuts so he was living in kansas but had just gotten um an internship in arkansas so he was like well this is perfect timing like in two weeks I am moving out of the state for two months. Do you want to just come live in my house? He was like, just come live in my house. You don't have to pay rent. Don't worry about it. Like, just come right and, like, sort your shit out. And that's what I did. (laughs) Um, And I also, but I'm glad you bring that up because, one, Daniel Jones is, like, the best (laughs) thing. But also because um, I had to, like, I remember a friend of mine, like, that i couldn't write where we came from in new york i couldn't just because i couldn't like um because i had been in a weird spot with my sobriety even mm-hmm. while i had lived here for a couple of years like it was going back i needed to like remove myself completely so like that's why it was like important that i went to kansas because i felt just removed from life to like have permission to kind of um go back there. Um, And a a friend of mine who I said that to, I remember one of the first things they said to me after they read where we came from is they were like, oh, I completely understand now why you could not do this in your, like, apartment where you live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was really crazy because being back in Kansas, I was working at a wing stop. (laughs) But, like, I... um, A lot of my coworkers were very clearly, like, young people who had problems with drugs so even being back in Kansas was a, a weird kind of like roundabout reaffirming thing because I was like literally surrounded by people who were going through the shit I was writing about having gone through yes. before um so yeah mm, Yeah. Shout out to Lawrence <laughs> what, what'd you say shout out to Lawrence oh <laughs> yeah special special
0: spot in my heart um i remember seeing like a lot of the videos on your instagram about being in kansas and like it was so beautiful like out like with these flowers and like the breeze and you would do wait what'd you say backyard was perfect yes and you did what was it maggie mondays yeah reading (laughs) reading some poems i lived for that oh my gosh i really loved that
1: what Then R.I.P. the Maggie Mondays. <laughs> do you think you'll do that again? I don't know, because I don't... I, like, don't write poetry anymore. Mm. Like, I very, very rarely do. Like, I think the last time I wrote a poem was, like, two months ago. And before that, I had probably been, like, five or six. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know if I would do Maggie Mondays. Like, it was really fun, and I enjoyed that. But I think, um... I don't know. I think, like... <laughs> <gasps> um of mine he calls me a home a home runner because I uh go go too big basically like um so I think that's why it's hard for me to do my few Mondays or like everything I'm working on is like I'm working on a whole play like mm, and I, yeah, I yeah. that into a minute on my Instagram <laughs> <laughs> um yeah though I, I do I I always like, joke with myself. I'm like, I'll start writing poetry again when I'm in love. So. Oh yeah!
0: Oh my gosh! I think we talked about this. Yeah,
1: I'm a love poet. dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. What maybe, maybe. <laughs> um,
0: I do kind of want to circle back around to like impatient and like this is this might be a stretch like impatient and acting. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know. Bear with me obviously some things i think need adjustment and need to be changed and like kind of rebuilt in a way um i mean because i think obviously trauma can look like anything and i know that institutional trauma is a thing that exists as well and like just stuff that goes down (laughs) when you're in there (laughs) um and then with acting too like i know like i said that's a bit of a stretch um but since we're talking about both ends of the spectrum of these topics, mm-hmm. um, what in your personal opinion, I know it's gonna be different for everybody based on experience, but like um, what adjustments would you like to see in both of those worlds, I guess?
1: Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um I would say so <laughs> thinking about like um uh, mental health facilities and granted, I have not been... It's been 10 years now since I... Or, like, 9-10 years since I've been in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So, things might have changed, So I highly doubt it. <laughs> like, uh, first and foremost, like, there is still so much fucking stigma around hospitals. So, so, so much. And it's, like, not even, like, merit-based stigma. It's not stigma of, like what actually happens mm. and then it's like people just think of like fucking girl interrupted but mm-hmm. it's like granted like girl interrupts it's not like i fucking love that movie <laughs> <laughs> like, but or like one flew over the cuckoo's nest or it's like mm. kind of these like grandiose things and like i feel like so many people fail to realize like that those places are meant to help you and even yeah. if you're there long term they are not necessarily there like going being at a point in your life where you need to be hospitalized does not mean that you are going to be in a hospital for the rest of your fucking life Mm -hmm. or that you're comatose or that you're like beyond repair yeah you know what I'm saying like no so I think that's like a huge thing as I think people don't fucking look at it just like for what it is Mm -hmm. um and then I think within the systems themselves there's just uh, one not enough money is allocated to mental health. We are, we fucking know this. Why do you think there's so many homeless people in New York? Like, yeah, there's a lot of other reasons, but I'll tell you this much. One of the biggest ones is that there's not proper, um, there, or there's not enough room and there's not enough money being dedicated to helping people who are mentally ill stay in, um, facilities that they need or get the proper care and treatment that they need or have the space that they need to take care of themselves. Um, and like, I was in a mental hospital in Oklahoma, and it was it sucked <laughs> sucks, and I think um part of it is like it's yeah you you just don't have enough money to have like the one on one care that everybody needs, and then also it's like difficult. and I went as like a teenage girl, and so being on a floor with like twenty other teenage girls all of us literally mentally ill. Mm. So fucking bullshit's gonna happen, you know what I'm saying? So I think, like, yeah. um, I don't know. I used to have, like, a list of things I wanted to change because for when I was younger, like, that was something I always wanted to do is I wanted to open my own hospital mm. because I wanted it to be, like, something I wish that, I don't know. I feel like it's, like, when you're in the hospital, it's very easy to, all you care about is getting out. Like, and I think, um, it becomes very easy to learn how to get out as opposed, like, like, you're doing more mental gymnastics on getting out than you are, um, actually working on yourself because it's, it just feels like prison. Like, it honestly just kind of feels like fucking prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, I mean, it kind of is. it is but that's fine. Um, and... Yeah, but I I still think the biggest thing is just, like, the stigma of it. Because I think even um, that would help going in to it. It's, like, you know, when you're, like, I think about, like, physical therapy. Like, you can fucking hate physical therapy and you can hate that, like, you are in physical therapy and, like, want to do everything you can to not be in it. But, like, you still know that, like, you have to do it if you want to fucking walk again. You know, whereas, mm-hmm. like, in a mental hospital, because it's your brain and it's your personality, it's so easy to, like, I feel like um, a lot of us end up in the cycle, like, getting stuck in the cycle of it because we just learn how to be better manipulators than um, actually, like, healing. <laughs> yep. and, that's important. Yep. and again, it's because, like, we feel like we have to get out. Mm-hmm. And part of why we feel like we have to get out is because... We don't want to be crazy. Like, going back to the, like, what we were talking about before, it's like, fuck, the longer I'm in here, the more insane I look and the more insane people think I am, especially in middle school. Like, you know, I didn't finish my freshman year in high school, so I knew everyone knew I was fucking nuts. Like, I'm just <laughs> it's just... Mm. So there's, um, there's a lot of weird things about that. And then I think with acting, um, I think something that I would really like to see in terms of like teaching acting or like on an academic level and again I've had a conversation this conversation with a lot of my friends who are also actors where it's like um like you know in orientation they say to us like oh most actors have a therapist so if you guys like need help let us know and then literally like administration did fucking nothing for our mental health mm-hmm. um Almost everyone who didn't get into second year did not get into second year because they had alcohol and drug problems, and that shit was just like. And it, I mean, that's a fine line between like consequences and whatnot. But also, like, if you know the entire year, your students are trying showing up to class because they're like incapable of like getting through the day sober. There, there should be more ways for them to get help. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, especially when you preach that, like you we're in the world of art and that like you know oh we all have therapists or, or whatever okay so fucking help the students like mm-hmm. literally fucking help the students mm-hmm. we had like what five six people not getting into second year because of that type of shit and then the following year what happens a kid fucking jumps off the roof and like yeah we they brought in that counselor but it was very hard to make appointments and like um i had a good friend who like actively avoided making appointments just because, like, she worked up on the sixth floor. So, you know, having to make an appointment, like, it was awkward having to make an appointment with someone and just, like, feeling like people would know because Mm. sometimes you want discretion in that shit. And then also, you know, like, things like administration just blatantly ignoring fucking sexual assault or not doing anything about it when we're complaining, that's not fucking good for anybody's health. Yeah. So... And then on top of that, I think when it comes down to the actual teaching and process, I think, you know, it's one thing to tell a bunch of 18-year-olds, like, to warn them against using things that are too personal. And it's another on teaching them how to do it. Like, um, an example of this is I had my one of my first acting teachers. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I learned so much in their class. But there was one day, um, one of our, like, one of my classmates, like, was doing scene work, and, um, like, in doing the questioning, he, like, revealed that, like, a good friend of his kind of, like, committed suicide, like, less than a year before, you know, like, very soon, mm-hmm. and he's, like, sobbing uncontrollably, like, you can tell that he is in pain, it's not the character, he is in literal pain, and my teacher hasn't do the entire scene, and he is like, you know, the scene's done. He's still sobbing violin. He's like, can I just go get a sip of water? And she says, no, hear my notes first. Like that right there, like that, no, 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 no. Like that shit to me is not okay. Yeah. Because you're you're not using your trauma then. You're not healing from your trauma then. You're fucking exploiting it. And that is bullshit. And I think there's a lot of that that happens um enacting in institutions and in acting in general um and not all of it's like as on like direct not on purpose as mm-hmm. that but like when you see shit like that you don't know how to not do that like I quit acting for a year and a half because I didn't know like how to have boundaries within myself like and I didn't yes. know how to like not go too far into things um Because no one fucking, people tell us not to do that, but then they don't tell you how to not do it. Um, And then it's weird too as an 18 year old because like you can't use like the basic ass rule of like, oh, you need five years or however many years since something happened to use it. I'm 18. Everything that's happened, everything that's like usable to me has happened in the last like two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also like 10 years, like, a numbered year difference that doesn't, I could have something that happened to me 10 years ago, but if I haven't put in the work to heal from it, it doesn't mean that I should be using it. Um, So I, that's something I really wish that we talked about more, like, in an institutional setting or when talking about, like, the method or whatever, or not even just the method, but any type of school of training is, Mm -hmm. like, knowing how to go about things, like, Because when your career is being dedicated to like subjecting yourself to feeling shit or like, you know, putting your playing characters who are like maybe darker or harder or rougher, being in these like crazy situations, knowing how to do that and take care of yourself is really fucking important. Like, really fucking important.
0: That actually reminds me of an experience I had, if you don't mind me sharing it. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> um, it's honestly what it it sticks with me forever. It was kind of traumatic for a couple of years, um, but I've have been able to work through it. Um, it didn't take me very long to work through it, but it took me a long time to get me to a point where I was like, okay, I should. But yeah. um, I remember it was our exam scenes, um, second year. If I yes, yeah, second year, and um. I was, you know, still, I was, how old was I, 20 at the time, I think so, Mm -hmm. and looked like a 12-year-old, though, (laughs) and um, I was given the role of um, this woman in her 50s-ish, the owner of a brothel. She had a daughter. It was with Sam, actually, Sam (laughs) Uschrzewski, and my instructor, who still love to this day That man is everything to me (laughs) um but like i really i honestly think it was self-inflicted but also it did also come from not being taught like we were told about the actor's jacket and taking it off and like that metaphor yeah and like we're kind of taught it but not in a therapeutic way that i think we should have been and um with that role i remember diving into it so hard and um especially with experience of sexual trauma i was like yeah i should tap into this because that makes sense oh my god (laughs) so um i remember literally being in the stairwell and i had gotten to myself i've gotten myself to such a dark point that i was starting to see things that just weren't real and i was in the stairwell emotional prepping in my costume and everything thinking about child me um who had gone through something very traumatic at the time and um because in the scene my daughter was leaving me and i mm-hmm. she, when she left me i had nobody and so mm-hmm. i was thinking about little me and like how what that would be like to to lose a little me cuz i mean at the time i was like 20ish so of course i didn't yeah. have any kids so i'm like let's just think about little me and i literally physically like i saw myself in the stairwell and mm-hmm. it was terrifying it was real it was like confusing and i'd never experienced anything like that even to this day that like i genuinely believed i was looking at the younger me and then um literally that same night i'd gotten myself into such a dark place that i was like i'm done and i believe that this was a suicidal attempt um but i got wasted by myself in my room um woke up on the floor my roommate had come home at that point And I had, you know, self-harmed and I was so confused when I woke up that I was like, I thought somebody had attacked me and like came into the flat and attacked me and then left. And it was so scary. Like I remember my roommate coming into my room and she just held me while I cried for like Mm. three, two or three hours because Mm. I just, I, it was such a weird place because I didn't want to be alive, but I was also like but I wanted to be because I was in so much pain. I wanted relief. Um, mm-hmm. But at the I like, I just, I was in this place where I wanted relief, but I also just didn't want to be there anymore. And mm-hmm. it was like, obviously granted the scene was not the thing that caused that. Well, I think it caused that experience, but the depression and those thoughts were already there to begin with. Yeah. You know, but like it was intense having to pull trauma or, I mean it was my choice, but also yeah. our instructors are like, you know what, do what you gotta do
1: yeah and um well, and that and that's what I mean is I don't think it's wrong to use those things, mm-hmm. especially because like it's real like and that's what I mean about how like when I'm writing like if like it feels so good because it's like you get to put the truth in or like um, there are certain things where it's like there are times it can be very validating and I very 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 much firmly believe that you can heal yourself through art yes but that's what I mean is I feel like we need like if part of our instruction was not just you need like that's it's just how to do that and how to do it safely and (laughs) how to like pull yourself out of those things yes you know what I'm saying or like how to disconnect yourself or like also just kind of like what do you do if you're already mentally ill, you're already in these, like, dark places? Like, how do you deal with your own feelings on top of, like, somebody else's? Like, there's just... It's um it's hard to navigate. <laughs>
0: it <laughs> is. To... It is. And with, um uh, like, with what you said about, like, healing through mm-hmm. art and how that can be a huge outlet, what do you think about, like, psychodrama? What do you mean? Like, do you know anything about that? type of study? I don't think so. Oh shit, me neither. (laughs) Wait, hold on, let me Google it. (laughs) Because there was this girl at my center, um, and like her mom was studying it. Uh Um, and I thought it was really interesting, like the little I knew. Okay, so psychodrama is an action method often used as a psychotherapy in which clients use spontaneous, dramaticization oh my god i can't read role-playing and dramatic self-presentation to investigate and gain insight into their lives
1: oh okay yeah i feel like i've like heard some about this like maybe not like explicitly like as a school of thought but mm-hmm. um no i okay so like i definitely believe in that like and that's like why i do think that like art has such like innate healing capabilities yeah there's um and why, like, I do think being like kind of explicit and using certain traumas, like, in art, helps so much. Because, like, um, you know, that's always what I tell myself. Like, when I'm writing or I'm doing something, whether it's where we came from, or conversations, or even like the play I'm working on right now, where it's like, I always think like, if something has happened to me, then like, who am I to think that it hasn't happened to somebody else? Yeah. For um, sure. Which is why I think it's important to talk about. And like, because I feel like I have gotten to a point where I feel capable of like, like I don't ever write something that I don't feel like it can handle. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, I feel like I have to have dealt with something before I can write it. Like where we came from. Like, um, I, it took me a long time to write that because I had to like get on, get over some shit before I wrote it. And then once I wrote it and it was out there, it was just out of me and it became something else. And also I had to write where we came from before I could start acting again because writing that book made me realize the reason I stopped acting is because I was so afraid of those parts of myself coming up Mm -hmm. and, like, taking over other shit. So I think it's, like, it's there. And then also, like, I think um, we project so much, which is why, like, also working on a character or something can be very useful for us is because you know if I'm like in the middle or like, I got a realization I was talking about in the boom boom room I did a scene from that play first year yeah and I loved it so, so 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 much and I was like describing the scene to a friend of mine and like as I was talking about it I realized like oh shit that was me at 20 years old mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going through those things but that was me at 20 that was me Oh, okay, 19, however fucking old I was. Yeah, yeah It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, so, I don't know. I think that shit's, like, interesting, whatever. But something, this is, like, backtracking a little bit, but I just wanted to bring it up, is, uh, on, um, back to the topic of, like, things, like, when studying acting that I think could be better. I fucking hate the way that we had to learn to just accept that, um people are gonna fucking judge our bodies constantly i think that's absolute bullshit i think it's bullshit like yeah okay i get it like being casted being like casting is absolutely objective or no it's um it should be i mean so like yes learning that like not to take it personally when someone like you know cast somebody who looks mildly like us or whatever like i get that but being told like Oh well, you had like I remember doing a magician, and um, I was just wearing like a cute little gray dress, like it was a- it was kind of like a t-shirt dress, mm-hmm. um, and doing a monologue from 448 Psychosis by Sarah Kane, mm-hmm. and I will never forget it because the little white gay man who was my casting director for the evening, his notes for me were that my acting was solid but that my so, the monologue I, I was doing he told me to be wary of the subject matter because he didn't want me to be or present myself as one of those women when that monologue sums up like literally the type of art I want to make because it's like <laughs> it's just this woman shouting about like it ends with her saying fuck you god for making it She's like, fuck you, God, and fuck you for making me fall in love with somebody who doesn't exist. Like, Mm -hmm. it sums up the shit that I want to do. And there's, like, this little man who's looking at me, and then he comments on my dress, and he's like, well, I just hate to say it, but in the industry, we need to know what your body looks like. No, the fuck you don't. No, the fuck you don't. Like, and I get why we're taught those things, but, like, also, they literally don't matter. And if you don't want them to matter, they don't have to fucking matter and don't act like they matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or, like, similar, like... Ah, oh, and I just like I wish more people when we were like taught is like yes be wary of them but like not to the point where like they're just accepted rules you know what I'm saying or like yeah. I have you know some friends who are like who are heavier set or like people who think like oh my god like you know I can't play this character because like women like or women like me aren't gonna don't get cast like this. And I wish instead of being taught that and having like those ideas perpetuated, instead it's taught like, well then do it yourself. Or like you go do it or like go be the first. Because like, you know, if you want something to change, you have to actively be working to change it, not being like, Oh, I mean like it sucks, but yeah, mm-hmm. what do you, what do you do? what do you do no shut the fuck up don't be (laughs) complacent like don't be complacent oh I hate that especially because like being an actor like already being on stage and having people watch you all the time like of course you're gonna like there's so many being an actor is just setting yourself up for insecurity (laughs) Mm. oh
0: my gosh
1: (laughs) and especially in an industry where it's like you know you look at like fucking celebrities and all these people who have to like do you know with like insane body types or like being taught that like you know you have to work out constantly and you have to diet constantly and all this kind of shit and like that's such a big part of the culture and mm-hmm. like the thing of being a fucking artist or whatever and it's like honest to like honestly fuck that fuck that so stop fucking teaching it mm-hmm. and don't change it yes. like what the fuck oh my god yeah so that's like a big, <laughs> it's like um Yeah, the way, like, we talk about bodies and, like, physical representations of each other. Like, fuck you, my friend. You don't need to see my hips to determine whether or not I can act, okay? You don't. Like, you literally don't. Um, Like, I get it. Like, whatever. Next time we'll fucking wear jeans and a t-shirt. But also, like, if you can see that I'm doing my job, if you can see that I'm conveying the message and the need that I have, why the fuck do you need to know anything else like literally if I am like 115 pounds or 145 pounds or like 215 pounds it does not that doesn't fucking matter it doesn't fucking matter like whatever oh yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so <laughs> I just like had to bring that up because it gets to me well and then also like within the, the institution itself I think like being mindful of that, like, when assigning scene work, or, like, you know, those sorts of things, like, you know, you can literally help people believe that they can change things by giving them shit that, like, challenges the fucking stereotypes. Like, yeah I know oh my god there's so many problems I had with like administration of an acting school but like that's okay that's another that's another podcast <laughs> right right
0: I mean I feel like it's funny because I think we both even said this that like going to that school was the best and the worst thing
1: <laughs> oh 100% and I think anyone who goes who went there would say the same thing where it's like there were so many really beautiful wonderful things about it and Ooh, oh my yeah. god Heard so much, but also at the same time, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, 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 you yeah. know, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I, I even remember like some of them saying, you know, some of this stuff isn't gonna really click for you until years when you're graduated. And I remember having the thought of like, well, then what's the damn point? <laughs> but then also, <laughs> I found that to be true because, like, yeah, kind of circling back around to character work and stuff that like Uda Hagen, uh, Burke Pearson. Chef's kiss. Shout out to you. I'm so sorry for everything. <laughs> like, I had, I mean, granted, I was still engaging in specific eating disorder behaviors that made it really difficult for me to retain information and mm-hmm. and be able to read, like, at an adequate speed and level of understanding. And oh Uta Hagen and script analysis was so difficult for me at the time. And then years later, when I started acting, like, outside of school and booking theater roles and doing Uta Hagen and, like character analysis, I was like, Oh my gosh, it all makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as like acting and therapy and stuff go together, I've been really lucky enough to like do script analysis in my treatment process. Mm-hmm. We're like, um, we had a, um, somebody tested positive for COVID in our center. Um, and so we were online for a little while and it was the hardest, experience for a lot of us and the whole week though I did script analysis on a character and I tapped into one each day and dressed up as them did Oda Hagen like found songs for them and um I was myself though like I talked as myself but I chose to take aspects of them that I want to lean into that feel pro recovery for me mm-hmm. and it was like it was it had a huge huge impact I think on my attitude towards the treatment process and realizing like oh if I can tap into this character who is you know strong-willed and determined maybe I can be strong-willed and determined yeah and then like even at residential my therapist had me write my life story in third person as a script and it was so hard like there were (laughs) I just didn't touch it for like two or three Mm -hmm. weeks um and then finally I was able to finish it and um We did, it was so cool. We did like a table read in our um, relapse prevention group where we just tell Mm -hmm. our story. And so I printed off the script and we all did a table read of my story. And Mm -hmm. it was so cathartic in every single way. And um, I honestly think though that what they say about how a lot of the stuff isn't gonna click until you're gone and like out practicing the information. Mm -hmm. I found to be so true, especially when I was nourishing myself and my brain was getting the nutrients it needed to actually practice <laughs> this stuff. I was like, okay, Burke, okay, like it all makes sense. Click, click. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, I found that to be really interesting. And <laughs> I can't help, I feel like we had to bring up Jason. Because I still be thinking about what he said, you can't change who you are, so fall in love with yourself, a king,
1: in every way. Oh my god, I love him so much.
0: Oh my god, so- wait, did I tell you about how he came in on like one of the first days with a coke in one hand and a coffee in the other, and he just walks in and he slams him down and he goes, pardon my French, but he goes, alright fuckers, let's let's get the day started slams down a coffee and a coke and we were like i was literally blown away i was like oh my god this man scares me because <laughs> <laughs> also like for someone to just say that the f word in front of me was like terrifying
1: so <laughs> that's so me. i spoke to him like a few days ago really he has changed. hdf oh my god well, cause he's like well because um I speak to him like like he's like my person I go to if I ever have like a question about um the industry. So like I said, I just finished writing a new play and um I was having him read it and so we were talking about like production and whatnot. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was is this the play um that we do that reading for or is this a new one? No, this is a different one. Ooh. This is a
1: play called For the Love of Mother and it's all about sex and violence. Mm. Okay. okay. So, and control, yeah. Okay, because they're all basically the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I. Uh, I fucking love it so much. <laughs> but
0: stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yes, yes. If you do but, another reading, let me know.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, no, I'm excited. I have, I have some stuff coming up and some stuff that I'm ready to like finally get out in the world. Like I need, I'm. I should be posting conversations Sunday. <gasps> Yay. Uh, Yeah, because I meant to do it last week, but I've just, I've been putting that bitch off. Now, when we want to talk about art and fucking, like, (laughs) therapy and stuff, conversations, boy, so, I feel like this is a good example of, like, this, and kind of, like, so, being ready because like I think um if there's anything for anyone who happens to listen to this or whether it's just you or whether it's just like for me to fucking say it out loud for myself it's like the whole point I'm trying to say is like just like with healing in general um you can't heal something until you're ready to do it and that's why I feel like we need to learn like what we're ready to use in our art, um, because it's so fucking revealing and it's hard, and we don't want to like get stuck in certain things. Yeah. That's why I feel like conversations. <laughs> it's like, I was ready to write that shit, you know. And um it's very much about mental health. So it's about, like, uh, it's a two monologue film. The first half is called Dusk. It stars our friend Samuel Schiff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's essentially like a woman kind of reflecting on the last 10 year or the 10 years of her life since she's uh, attempted suicide okay. and like since she's been sober. So very autobiographical, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so it's like very dark and it's very much like this shit happened to me and mm-hmm. whatever. And it, it embodies a lot of the things we've been talking about. And then the second half is called Dawn. It stars my friend, Alicia Grace, who we also went to school with mm-hmm. and it's oh. like a lot more about, um, romanticism and kind of just like how to trust oneself like when it comes to love and like kind of where we're at in the universe and um so like i said i was very much ready to write it right and (laughs) and i edited it myself it's been it's done been edited it's done been finished march 12th over a month ago is when i did the screening with um, my cast and crew I've been taking forever to release it because it is so explicitly about mental health, and because I talk so much about this shit, and because like where we came from is about my drug addiction, and then this is another play or play slash film in which I talk about mental health and drug addiction. Like, there's been a huge part of me that like has been like kind of afraid to release it because, and this is like something I had to talk to Jason about. <laughs> <laughs> is because like giving myself permission to keep talking about these things yeah. because I feel like and you know kind of going back to that casting director Sonny I'd be one of those women is like you know it's terrifying to like the idea of being branded like one I'm terrified of being stuck in one thing or being like one type of writer which is stupid though because like Everyone has their genre. They have their thing. They have their vibe. So, like, God forbid my vibe is a little heavy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think, like, part of why it's been so difficult is because talking about mental health is difficult even when you do it and even when you're good at it because it's, like, I don't know. It's such a vulnerable, weird thing that even, like, as we're talking about this shit right now, there's so many things that I know afterwards I'm going to, like, be thinking about it and be like, should
0: I have said
1: that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I just think, uh, but I think it really comes down to art and life in general and, like, healing, whatever, is, um, like, just, like, that really, it's a very trite fucking definition of, like, courage or bravery or whatever. It's just, like, the idea of healing the fear but doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just, with that particular film, I just remind myself, I'm like, okay, like, as nervous as I am, like, it'll probably be similar to where we came from. Where, like, if somebody reads it and or sees it and does not like it or does not care about it or just doesn't pay attention to it, probably won't say anything to me. But every now and again, there will be somebody who saw it and needs it and was like, oh, should I relate to this? And I think that's, like all that matters, mm. all that matters, it's like, if you can touch one person, or you can make one per- person feel heard and the seen, then, like, who cares, like, yeah, exactly, or something, exactly, um, yeah.
0: I do, we've been talking so long, I want to be mindful of your time, though, um, so I do, in the best way, like, I feel like we could redo that four or five hour one, and just make a, a long podca- podcast episode, um, but I want to close out with this question, um, that's oh pretty subjective like it's going to be different for everybody but um as far as like trauma healing um through art or through therapy or whatever it may be what are your thoughts on like do you think yes you can heal from the event but your perception of the world will always be changed do you think that that perception can be healed and changed as well or like your thought process and the way that you internalize and interpret things can that be changed or is that permanent because of the event? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah. It's, about, <laughs> but it's a good one. Um, I think it's like a mixture of all of the above mm-hmm. because like, like we were saying about, or like earlier about how there are things we don't even realize. How, are connected to our trauma. Yeah. So in that way, I think there are certain things that like, we may never know how deeply certain things affect us or like how ingrained they affect us. So yeah, it might change your perception of the world a little bit. Or like, um, I have friends who have been through so much where it's like, they, not that they're cynical, but like, I know that it would take a whole lot of fucking work for them to see the world differently. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um so I think it does affect our perception and I think in a way that will stay with you forever because they're like something I think about all the time having been through trauma very young is like I realized very young that life is not always nice. That like yes, shit will can be that bad. Um and because I know that and because that's how I've interpreted it, that is that does color how I exist through the world even if i've healed however i do think like like an example like an example i use is like so sexual assault Mm -hmm. to varying degrees and of course everybody deals with this differently like um it's for me it changed like my perception of the world because it was like it changed how i perceived myself in the world it changed how i carried myself through the world, um, and, like, my relationship to men, like I was talking about earlier, 100%, um, and I didn't realize that for a long time, Mm -hmm. and, like, it took me a long time to heal, I think, like, what it is, is the thing about trauma is you're not just healing from the event, you have to heal from the event itself, then you have to, like, heal the person that it fucking happened to, then you have to heal the person who's been carrying all of that the whole time and then also like I think sometimes with the right amount with my not the right amount but like the right situation or like you can hit a point where you can start to see things differently like um the biggest thing my therapist and I worked on when I was seeing a therapist is like you know there was one point we had had like five sessions or something at that point, and he said to me once, like, mid-session, he was like, Megan, I don't think I've ever, or he was like, I have only ever heard you speak about sex in a negative connotation. He's like, I've never heard you talk about it with any kind of, like, positive Mm -hmm. to it, ever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it did that. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So, like, um, but once I realized it, once we, like, spoke about it, it was like, oh, okay, and now I am at a place where I'm, like, I can see sex as a form of connection and like intimacy and whatnot, and it's yeah. like I am approaching it in a more healthy way. However, like again, all these things are true at the same time because like I've know I know how I have seen it for a long time, so I'm still gonna be wary of things, and I still have to like, you know, I have to like watch myself as much as I'm watching other things, and it, I think that's, yeah, yeah. Long story short, <clears throat> they're all all intertwined, and yes, like. I think it's kind of like asking whether or not people can change. And, like, mm-hmm. yes, we can. We can't change the things that have happened to us, but mm-hmm. we can change the way we react to them, I think. Um, like, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well,
1: thank you. you. Huh? Did huh? I hope that answers. Oh,
0: yes. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Honestly, That's no. It. I view it definitely the same way um because it is a loaded question and it's so subjective and there isn't one definition answer um but i think you honestly hit the nail right on the head with that so yeah definitely cool well thanks thanks for being so vulnerable and raw and yeah. taking time out of your day
1: yeah and thank you for inviting me to do this shit this is what i fucking live <laughs> <laughs> This is what I look for. Even if, like I said, after this, I know I'm gonna like be at work. Like, did I sound like how? How? Like, just trying to imagine like an objective third party. Like, how the fuck would I react to some of the things you're saying? (laughs) Like, am I am I just talking out of my ass? Do I know what I'm talking about? Am I like good? I don't know.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes, you are, and no, you aren't talking out of your ass. You're talking from experience. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: no no (laughs) no kidding (laughs) all right but yes thank you and um again no I really am glad that you're you're doing this because I think um even though it's 2021 dude mental health is still so fucking weird and it's still like very hard to talk about and there's still so many things that are hard to talk about and I think like the the realities of it are like just it's just weird man it's just weird but Mm. like I think, uh, no matter what, there's always, I think there's always hope, and there's always, um, like, there's nothing that we can't recover from, and I think there's nothing that we can't, like, try to understand or figure out, or, like, there's space for everyone and everything, um, and so, yeah, I like talking about this shit, and I like hearing other people talk about it, and I think it takes a lot of strength to, like, do it so openly because, like I said, like you know, it's like two different pieces of work, and I'm like, oh my god, are people gonna thinking I talk about mental health too much and I'm crazy? So, like the fact that you're just like, let me make a fucking podcast and be very open about this, I'm like, okay, good. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, like, like that's me. Like, I don't want to be like, oh my god, you're so brave because, like, I hate when people say this. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but I hate it. Um, but like, no, like it does take um. It takes a certain type of courage to be able to say, like, this is what the fuck I'm going through and I feel Mm -hmm. like talking about it. And I want to talk to other people about it, too. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, good for you. Thank you.